Press from Cast Iron Brains, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or less of news for today, Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. The Colorado Supreme Court has ruled that former President Donald Trump cannot appear on the state's presidential primary ballots in 2024 because Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution bars those who have previously taken an oath to the Constitution, who subsequently engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution, from ever again holding federal office. Trump was impeached by Congress on January 13, 2021, on a charge of incitement of insurrection against the U.S. government. But the Senate fell 10 votes short of conviction on February 13th of that year. Trump has not been otherwise charged, and therefore has not been convicted, of insurrection. The question of whether the 14th Amendment bars Trump from appearing on the ballot in Colorado will ultimately be decided by the Supreme Court, an issue that the court will likely adjudicate quickly as the 2024 presidential primary season gets underway in January. A brief editorial aside. The immediate political implications of the Colorado court's decision clearly redound to Trump's benefit, as his so-called opponents in the GOP field all flock to his defense, and the issue is framed in the media as a question of whether the courts or the people should get to choose the next president. There's little doubt that this action will be seen as confirmation by Trump's supporters, and even by those who are now more skeptical of him than ever before, that the almighty they are conspiring against Trump and against democracy to steal a second term from him once again. But setting aside the optics, it seems pretty clear to me that if a person has not been shown, by due process of law, to have actually been an insurrectionist, then that person cannot be simply deemed to be one by some judges. I suspect that the Supreme Court of the United States will overturn this ruling without much drama. The Morning Press official SCOTUS vote predictor says... 9-0 in favor of Trump. The United States Senate ended its legislative year without taking action on major issues, including a package of laws that would send aid to Ukraine and Israel while also funding new border security measures. Senators Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell issued a rare joint statement claiming that progress was being made on a deal, but that the Senate would act no earlier than after the new year. In contrast, on Monday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a law that, when it comes into effect in March, will allow Texas law enforcement to arrest illegal immigrants for entering the state without authorization, something that has previously been the exclusive domain of the federal government. The law is a direct challenge to the Biden administration and the federal government's preeminent authority over immigration law, a question the Supreme Court most recently adjudicated in 2012 when it ruled that provisions of an Arizona law were impermissible because they interfered with federal authority. In international news, France has passed into law immigration reforms that include provisions that make it harder for migrants to bring their families to France, delays their eligibility for social welfare programs, and implements annual quotas limiting the number of asylum seekers and visa applications that the country will accept. The law, which was supported by both President Emmanuel Macron's centrist party and the right nationalist party led by Marine Le Pen, has been criticized by left-wing groups who say that the law is a capitulation to far-right ideologies. 
Other measures in the law include increased funding for border security, longer wait times for residency permits, and tougher standards for migrants to prove that they are assimilating into French culture. A third and perhaps final update on the legal controversy surrounding the removal of the Confederate memorial from Arlington National Cemetery. The judge, who had issued a temporary order blocking the statue's removal, reversed course on Tuesday afternoon after taking a trip out to the site. Lawyers for the group Defend Arlington had claimed that the Department of Defense had failed to complete an environmental review of the impact of removal and that the work was resulting in the desecration of gravesites. Judge Rossi Alston wrote in his ruling that upon touring the site, he saw no desecration of graves and that, quote, the grass wasn't even disturbed, end quote. Alston was clearly not pleased with the group, calling their claims either ill-informed or inaccurate, and admonishing their attorneys for failing to disclose that they had lost a very similar lawsuit a week earlier in federal court in D.C., A number of Virginia lawmakers continue to object to the statue's removal, with some state senators going so far as to demand that Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin bar the companies contracted to dismantle and transport the memorial from doing business with the state in the future. Youngkin has not yet spoken to that issue, but has arranged for the memorial to be moved to a state park on the site of a Civil War battlefield, the relevant section of which is owned by the Virginia Military Institute, a public senior military college. On this date in history, December 20, 1860, South Carolina became the first state to secede from the United States when its state legislature passed a brief Ordinance of Secession. A few days later, South Carolina would issue a declaration that laid out its reasoning, citing among its justification for secession, quote, an increasing hostility on the part of the non-slaveholding states to the institution of slavery, end quote. Also on this date, in 1968, Nobel laureate in literature John Steinbeck died in New York City. Steinbeck's best-known works include Of Mice and Men, The Grapes of Wrath, and East of Eden. He was 66 years old. Now, here's a look at the weather. A story from the Associated Press that explains the history of the poinsettia plant tells the tale of Joel Roberts Poinsett, the first U.S. minister to newly independent Mexico and an amateur botanist, who introduced the holiday favorite to the United States and eventually Europe after coming upon it in Mexico in 1828. The story has a predictable enough shape. Suffice it to say that Poinsett, for whom the plant is named, at least in the English-speaking world, is a less-than-admirable character to the modern conscience, and that some folks are now pushing for the use of the Aztec word for the plant, rather than poinsettia. We will have to set aside the reputation of the Aztecs to the modern conscience. They were, for better and worse, like Poinsett, human, after all. The Aztec word is... Quetlachosheet, apologies for the pronunciation, which means literally excrement flower, according to Wikipedia, so named because the seeds are attractive but indigestible to birds, so that the seeds often appear to germinate out of bird poop. This curious and amusing linguistic fact does not appear in the AP write-up, which instead claims that the name means flower that withers. The article quotes Elena Jackson Albaran, a professor at Miami University in Ohio, who says, quote, I've seen a trend towards people openly saying, don't call this flower either poinsettia or noche buena, 
It's Quetla Shoshit. There's going to be a big cohort of people who are like, who cares? End quote. Count me among them, Professor. Also, I'd like to interrogate that claim about a trend of people openly demanding the name change. How often have you really encountered this? And is this trend somehow distinct from some secret series of messages passed between flowering potted plant enthusiasts, a covert network of like-minded folks just waiting for the right cultural moment to spring the Aztec word for this plant on the broader society to end the tyrannical colonial reign of poinsett once and for all? Sounds like a bit of excrement flour to my ear, Doc. Regardless, I'm glad the article exists. I'm glad to know a little bit more of the history, and I'm glad for the linguistic rabbit hole. But any attempt to convince people that they are morally bound to call a popular potted houseplant something else for reasons of social justice is just self-defeating mission creep and makes it genuinely harder for people to tell the difference between monuments to the awful past that really should be dismantled and a plant that was literally just sitting there, looking pretty on the windowsill, not bothering anyone at all. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the BrainIron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to BrainIronPodcast at gmail.com or visit the website at BrainIron.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at brainiron.substack.com. Thanks, and barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The proceeding was created with 100% human content. <laughs>